just one life Every life on earth is but a vapor It appears, then it's gone With the record of what's done Then we stand alone At the judgment seat of Christ God's holy son We must all bow down At the judgment seat of Christ We must give account For the things we've done with our lives I will live my life For Jesus Christ
Who is so great a God is our God. Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Who is like unto the Lord most high, who filled the seas and formed the skies, who walks upon the wings of the wind, whose thoughts no man can comprehend. Through every generation, His wonders are displayed. From forming all creation, to freeing those enslaved. God of wonders, who reigns victorious. God of wonders, enthroned in praise. All earth trembles before His presence. God of wonders, the ancient of days. Who has heard His mighty works of Yeah. 
Everything's been great. I pray that the Lord will use our sermon now to speak to our hearts. Mark chapter 5, please, in your book. Mark chapter 5. Mark 5, of course, would be a very familiar text to most here today, I'm sure, of the Lord's healing power and help to someone in great need. Today I want to preach on the publishing of the good news of Jesus. The publishing of the good news of Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, unto the country of the Gadarenes, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because they had been often bound with fetters and chain, chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. And he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this uh, text. Dear Holy Spirit, thank you for preserving it for us through this church age, unto this service, unto our local assembly. I pray, dear God, that you'd help us to look at this text that we know quite well and help us to have fresh eyes. Give us a desire to see what is here for us to see. Bless us. Help me, Lord, as I preach your word. Give me clarity of thought. And help me to deliver in such a way that uh, you are glorified and you are honored. I pray for each person attending today that you take away anything that might be upon their minds or hearts for this moment. So they may take in the engrafted word of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our Lord was performing great miracles. Again, he had these miracles to show his authenticity of who he was and why he had come to be the Savior. He came to Israel to be their Messiah, and we know that they rejected him, and the Lord offered up the gospel to the Gentiles. Here's a good example of someone that probably shouldn't have got help and wouldn't have got help that had not been for Jesus. Amen? He was a man possessed with devils. And uh, we're, we're given this story in Holy Writ to preserve it so we might understand it and pass it on. It's interesting that all four Gospels have the account of this man's burden and need and also his blessing and deliverance. The Holy Spirit being the authority of Scripture, he's given us this so we might look at it and look at it often as we try to minister to others in their need. In Sunday school, I taught this morning the first part about being the right kind of friend, saying encouraging words and edifying others that need to be lifted up. 
Well, our Lord was always about that. Our Lord was always helping and encouraging. Amen. And he comes to this man, this madman, sometimes we call him Gadara, and uh, nobody wanted anything to do with him. But this story tells us many things. First of all, our Lord's power over nature. This man was on the side of a mountain looking on in, in Mark chapter 4 as Jesus was calming the raging sea and helping his disciples. And then our Lord had authority over death in the scripture. In Luke chapter 7, we're told about how he raised the widow of Nain's son from death and brought that boy back to his mother being her only son. We preached on that. Our Savior's power was also over disease, all manner of disease. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45, he heals the leper. And again, here's a man that's an outcast. Nobody wanted anything to do with him because of contagion at that time. And uh, he was alone and lonely and had lost his livelihood, his family, and the life he once knew. Jesus, in authority and power here in Mark chapter 5, he comes to a man that has a devil, but we find out in the conversation that this devil are many, uh, this devil is many devils, uh, a legion, which is anywhere from 1,000 to 2,500. If we go on in the story, we see that there are 2,000 pigs that drown in the sea, so we can see how many devils possessed this man. No wonder he was in such a condition. Again, uh, this man is in a terrible condition, but we have a, a wonderful and terrible account of the power of Christ to help others in their impossible situations. Amen. The miracles and the ministry of our Lord Jesus to those that were helpless and hopeless. Sometimes we come to church and we may not actually be in a situation that we're looking at today, but maybe in your mind you're in a helpless situation, maybe a hopeless situation. Maybe you feel that there could be no, uh, no resolve. You're at an impasse. I want you to know that Jesus loves you and he cares for you and he can help you in what you're dealing with. We see in scripture that this man was feared by all. He was avoided. He was ostracized, outcast, considered crazy, wild, animalistic, and he's left alone. How sad. And we're going to be reminded today as God's people that all around us, although we don't recognize them as well as we ought to, there are people that are lonely. There are people dealing with their own issues of life, and sometimes we are too busy to recognize the symptoms and reach out to help them, but that's called ministry. And oftentimes we're not ministering as much as we think we are. I say to the saints today here at this good local church and the guests that are assembled here on this Lord's Day that Jesus cares. Amen. He's willing to help. He wants to set the captive free. And he wants to help us deal with our own issues, even though we know Christ as Savior. No one seemed to be compassionate upon this man, but Jesus only. Now, I want to break up this story in outline form so we can go over the points sufficiently. And the first thing I see this morning about this madman, sometimes we call the madman of Kadera, is the man that our Lord saw. In Mark chapter 5, notice again, the Bible says that this man in verse 2 came out of the tombs. And in verse 4, who had been dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no not with chains, because that he had been uh, often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, listen, always night and day, 
He was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he saw Jesus and what Jesus was doing. He just saw him calm the sea. He just saw him help the disciples. No doubt in his heart and mind, he thought, maybe he can help me. I don't know. Listen, people watch your life and my life, and if we're good testimony for Jesus, it might run across their mind. Maybe the Lord could help me like he's helped my neighbor or that preacher there at that church down the street or my coworker over there that has witnessed to me and invited me out to revivals and tent meetings and men's meetings and ladies' meetings. Amen? They may wonder and get a hope in their heart that maybe your God can help them if we're the right testimony we ought to be. But the man, our Lord Jesus, the man saw Jesus, but the important part is Jesus saw him. Jesus saw him in his loneliness, plagued with the devil. Amen. Living in hopelessness and misery. Verse 2 tells us he had an unclean spirit. Verse 3, among the tombs. Verse 3, he didn't know how to even help himself or protect himself from hurting himself because the chains and the fetters never worked. He's desperate in verse 4. He's uncontrollable in verse 4. He's greatly feared in verse 4. He's inconsolable night and day in the mountains, crying out. And then the Bible says in verse 5, cutting himself. In Luke 8, 27, the account says that he was naked. Satan had him under complete control. He had his spell upon him, and it was not being removed. But then Jesus saw him. Jesus saw him in his condition. And this man saw Jesus for who he was, even with all his trouble, all his demons. In verse 6, he came and he fell at Jesus' feet. He recognized Jesus being God. He recognized Jesus could do something for him. Amen. His disciples looked on and they might have thought otherwise. They looked on and said, can Jesus do anything for this guy? The disciples were always in that mindset. Children would come. He said, don't bother the Savior. Get a, he, he didn't have time for you. A woman with an issue of blood. Don't, don't bother the Lord. He's busy. They just didn't seem to be connected with the Lord. And the Lord had compassion. And he cared and he ministered. And oftentimes his own disciples, they didn't get the program. But they're a lot like us. Oftentimes we don't get the program. His situation looked hopeless. His condition looked helpless. But Jesus saw him. Jesus saw him in his sadness, his loneliness, his craziness. I was reading uh, commentaries this week in preparation for sermon, and George Whitfield, that great preacher of days gone by, he wrote and said of this text, he said, Jesus will take the devil's castaways. I like that. Jesus will take the devil's cast away. Often we don't, but he will. And if we can get the heart and mind of the Lord, we can help a whole lot more people. As I preached last Sunday morning on the sympathetic Savior, the Lord is sympathetic toward people in their need. And I'm glad he's sympathetic toward me. Aren't you? Amen. So in this account, we see that no one is too hard for Jesus to help. No one is too far gone for Jesus to restore. The Lord can help and the Lord can save even the lowest strata of degraded society. Now listen, I look at our world today and I get angry. I get mad. Amen. 
I have to remember our world is lost. And they're doing what they're doing because of their lostness. And they, they live in darkness constantly. But there, there is no sin for which Jesus cannot deliver someone from. There is no sickness of heart that the Lord cannot help them with. But we give up on people. We give up on people because they're not like us. I'm thinking back in my past when I walked in this church years ago. I wouldn't like anybody. I was a long-haired, skinny little hippie, and you wouldn't have known that today, would you? But the Lord had compassion on me, and so did church people. And I thank God for those times of encouragement, as I taught in Sunday school this morning, of, of edification, of encouraging words at the right time. Romans 5.20, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Hebrews 7.25, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost, to come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. I'm glad those verses are in our Bible. And other verses like them that talk about the Lord's care and compassion upon those that know not Christ, or those that are in the middle of their addiction, or those that are in the middle of their foolishness because of the way they've been raised, or what have you. Is there someone, perhaps this morning, in your heart, and your life, that you feel cannot be reached? That you've tried and tried to reach, but yet they have not believed. Hey, we all maybe have been there. I know I have. I have had loved ones. I have had friends. I have had neighbors in my Christian life, co-workers, amen, that I wanted to be saved, and I so wanted them to, say, to be saved that I constantly witnessed, and I prayed, and I fasted, and I approached them with pleadings, even tears, but... They would not listen, and it broke my heart. But I'll tell you this morning what God's Word tells us. They can be reached. Be patient. Be prayerful. Be kind. Be loving. Don't give up. I know how it feels when a loved one rejects you. It's so stubborn they won't even give salvation a, 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 a chance. But I've also seen them same people, hard-hearted Stiff-necked, come to know the Lord as Savior and change. God's in the saving business, amen? But it might take a hardness, hard times. It may take sickness. It may take setbacks. Oh, we want everybody saved, but we don't want to go through anything with them. Sometimes, folks, it's those very things that will bring them and humble them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. No matter what you say or how, try, how hard you try to live for God, and that is good. Be a good testimony. Be a good son or daughter, niece or nephew, grandchild. Be everything you can be as a Christian. But you know, they're not going to get saved unless the Lord saves them, not you. But he can use your testimony, and he can use your influence. But I'll tell you what we need to see. We need to see them as Jesus sees them, in compassion, in care, we need to see them for who they are and what condition they're in, but not give up. Never lose hope. And let me say, I can say that because I have done this myself. Constantly being rebuked by the Holy Spirit. Constantly. Jesus cared and he tried to get him to faith in him. 
But you know what Jesus won't do for a sinner? He won't override their free will. He will continue to care and send by witnesses and people to help them. And he will continue to try to reach out to them. Thank God the Lord does that. But listen, he leaves it up to the individual. I don't know who may be here today and somebody has been trying to reach you with the gospel. It's up to you to put faith in Jesus Christ. It's up to you to call upon him to be your savior. I know as Christians, there may be somebody here, you've been struggling in your Christian faith. Maybe there was a time you walked with the Lord, you got away from the Lord. Maybe you got into things or with people or situations that you shouldn't have. But listen, he'll forgive you, but it's up to you to make the proper steps back to him. There's a man who saw Jesus, but more importantly, there's, there's the fact that Jesus saw the man. Second of all, the recognition of this man was given to Jesus. In Mark chapter 5, immediately after this man saw Jesus, the Bible says he ran and fell on his knees in front of him and worshipped him. So as this man saw Jesus, he recognized Jesus for who he truly was. He acknowledged Jesus as, as the devil cries out, Son of the Most High God. He knew that he alone had the power to banish the devils and the torture that was within his heart, for we see in the scriptures. You know, what is going on in our society today, in my estimation, is demonic. We look at it and say, how can human beings treat each other the way that people are treating each other? Why is there such anger and angst? Why is there so, I mean, some obvious things that are not obvious anymore? Why is that so? I believe, I believe we're dealing with devils today. I really believe that. Or how can people do what they do? And, and I'm not preaching on the media today, but I'm telling you, all the little devices that we have today, I think it's Pandora's box opened up. And we are dealing with things that we never should have. And everybody's going, oh, but all the benefits, I'll gladly go back. All the confusion today, all the abomination today, all the hatred, all the violence, all the coldness. And I believe it comes straight from hell. I really believe that. We look in the Bible of stories where this woman is possessed, these, this man is possessed. And we look at it as, oh, that's Bible days. Hey, that's today. That's today, big time. Only God can change this situation. Only salvation through the power of Jesus Christ over Satan and darkness. The third thing we see is a command Jesus gave in verse 8 to this man. And he said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. The Lord actually talks to these devils. Again, showing his authority, showing his power. And notice, they listen. In the world today, it seems like the abyss of hell again is opened up. And uh, we're dealing with all manner of wickedness and darkness all around us. And I know that Jesus can help people smack dab in the middle of all this wickedness and darkness if we could just get them to Jesus. But here's what happens. You're probably like me. I get frustrated with them. I get angry with them. 
I hear the reports. I, I listen to the rhetoric. And I, if I'm not careful, I get into the political mode and I think of right and left and all that stuff. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with that. You got to be informed. But listen, it overtakes us and we lose our compassion and we lose our consideration. Amen. For people in their need. I don't have all the answers, but I do know this. We're living in a wicked, dark day. It's going to take us to be plugged in, filled with the Spirit in order to minister in this day. The Bible says that they have a familiar spirit. As a pastor, I've watched through the years how parents unwisely have let their children get involved in this and that, read this and that, get involved with people that they don't know very well, and how this over time has led certain decisions to be made. Because again, that Pandora's box has been opened, and young people specifically, and adults too, have gone places they would have never gone before because of the opportunity and the availability. We live in a culture of darkness and death in our society, and it is even affecting the local church, for I've seen so many of God's people. I don't know if they think it's cute or it's cool or it's, it's, it's uh, I, I don't know. I don't know the term, but wearing on their own t-shirts, skulls, and having tattoos, and macabre sketches, and logos, and gothic look, and piercings, and earrings, and hoops, and all this junk. It doesn't help anybody. You say, it's not that big a deal. It is, because it is coming in the lives of even God's people, and they don't see it. I mean, good night. I see some grandmas now. In their 70s, man. And they got tattoos all over them, and they look absolutely horrible. They don't look like Grandma used to look. Are you, you understand what I'm saying? In their youth, they had buff bodies and all that. Men and women, now they're all saggy. Those, those tattoos don't even picture what they used to picture. Just a droopy, melty face on the side. And I don't know. Usually the kind of people that get those things, I know they, they, they got to wear the cut-off t-shirts and all, so show them all off. And I expect when they get buried, they want to get buried half-naked so everybody can see the tattoos while they lay in the casket. How foolish! But that's the world. But some of God's people are playing with that stuff. God help you. I want to be a grandfather that's an example to my grandkids. You know, I don't want to be not cool, because I'm cool all the time. I know I am. I don't care. You don't have to tell me that. I tell my wife, hey, baby, I'm cool. She said, you are. <laughs> but I want to look right. I want to look like a Christian. I want to act like a Christian. I want my grandkids to say, there's my, there's my grandpa. He's a man of God. That's what I want. I need to get all this foolishness of today, trying to be hip or hop or whatever it is. <laughs> Amen. Familiar spirits. People are familiar with too much junk. God's people. 2 Kings chapter 2, uh, 2 Kings chapter 21, read about bad Manasseh and his effort to really make the people of God more worldly and get into a culture they didn't belong in. Thank God for chapter 23, verse 24 of 2 Kings, where good King Hezekiah got rid of all that junk and tried to rid the land of it. You can read throughout your Bible how that worldly living and dress and fashion gets us into trouble. And then this today of contemporary Christianity, and I hate to, but it just bothers me so much. 
because praise and youth and even pastors look ridiculous and act ridiculous. Where's that coming from? It's not coming from God. It's not from God. It's from a death culture. It's from a dark culture. And you know, God's people, we don't need to try to fit in. We need to be an example to get them in. Jesus Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Oh, my goodness. Let's move on. The authority Jesus displayed. Look at verse 9. And he asked, what is thy name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now they were nigh unto the mountains, great herds, swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, send us unto the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea. There was about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. My name is Legion, he said. 2,000 devils into the swine. And Jesus had power to banish, to destroy, to conquer them. Hallelujah. But I'd like to know, what are Jews doing raising pigs anyway? Weren't they unclean? Wasn't that an abomination unto God? But just a reminder, we as God's people, what are we doing today when we don't represent Christ in the proper way? There's a world out there that needs Jesus Christ. There's a woman, uh, there's a world out there in trouble. And they, are, they may not appreciate us all that much till later, but they appreciate later a Christian that's been dedicated, consecrated, amen, separated under the Lord and showed him Jesus Christ every day, day in, day out. You know, a friend loveth at all times, thick and thin. A friend will tell people the truth even if they don't want to hear it. But we're so wanting to be liked. Let me change that. We're so wanting to be loved of this world that we're selling out Jesus Christ in the gospel. The transformation Jesus brought to this man's life. In Mark chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 that we've already read, we see here that these swine, they, they run down that cliff and they perish. There's a comparison in scripture here of the possessed by the devil and the liberated, the liberated in Jesus Christ. The demon possessed in Luke 8, the demons are gone out in Luke 8. Devils uh, causing the man to dwell among tombs. And then in verse 8 of Luke, it says that he sits at Jesus' feet. In Mark 5, it says he's chained hand and foot. And in Mark 5, it says he's sitting and listening to the Lord. In verse five, uh, 4 of chapter 5, no man could tame him. But then we find in Luke 8 that he's in his right mind. We see him in, in Mark 5 cutting himself and hurting himself. And in verse 19, he's asking Jesus if he can go home with him. In Luke 8, he's naked but in Luke 8, 35, we're told he's dressed and in his right mind. I'll tell you what, when you get in Christ, things change. So saints, let it, let it happen. Take the change. Don't try to adapt to this old world. People need to see changed lives and changed hearts and changed purpose. Amen. See, that's a strange message to preach on a Sunday morning. If I save this for a Sunday night, maybe a dozen or so people wouldn't be here on Sunday night. 
They wouldn't hear it. So you need to hear what you're hearing. And so we see this man. He's helped. He's changed. He's set free. He's transformed. And what is he transformed to? Into the likeness of his Savior. That's it. That's it. And when this happened, you know what happened also? The folly was exposed. Look at verse 16 and 17. Say with me. I'm going to wrap this up. And they that saw it told them how it befell them that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine, and they began to pray him out of their coast. That's the folly exposed. You'd think everybody would have been happy. Look, this man's so lonely, this man's so depraved, this man's so full of devils. Oh, praise the Lord, he got help. Look, his life has changed. Look, he's following Jesus. No, they said, Jesus, get out of here. We have to understand something this morning. When you do live the Christian life, not everybody's going to be your friend. Some people are going to walk away from you, walk to you. But listen, we ought not be foolish in our living that they feel comfortable around us. Hey, the Bible tells us that if we live godly in Christ Jesus, there will be persecution. I'm not excited about people leaving me or not wanting to do with me, but I'll tell you, I'd rather have Jesus. And I'm not helping them by conforming to them. We see the depravity and the folly of humanity back then, and we see it again today. Instead of wanting Jesus more, they wanted him to leave. This world today is just like that. You can't hardly bring up his name. People are afraid to bring up the name of Jesus. Yesterday, my white brother Bob sent me a text about the, the, uh, the Vietnam Wall that's in Livonia now, the smaller size one, they, they traveling, traveling wall. And we went and made a visit, and then we went over there and saw that. We had other appointments in the afternoon, and we just happened to go over there, didn't realize it, but they had a, a ceremony for the military, for the, uh, for the police, for the EMS, for fire. And it was, it was solemn. We enjoyed We got in. We looked at the wall. But what was so great was the bag, bagpipers came out, and they did the bagpipes, and it was amazing grace and Christian songs. And I thought, wow, that's something. And then I don't know who the preacher was, but the preacher got up. Man, he, pre he, 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 he didn't preach. He, they wanted him to pray, you know, the closing benediction or whatever you call it, salutation. I don't know. It's the closing prayer. And man, he prayed a good prayer. And he used the name Jesus a couple times and said, amen, I like that. And my wife said, no, we're coming to a day maybe down the road where they're not going to allow that. I don't think they liked it that day, many of them. But aren't we Americans? Isn't this country based on a God that blessed America? Amen? It's funny how freedom of speech only works one way. Uh, this week, uh, my wife and I were out and, and we stopped and we were out together, had an ice cream cone. It was good. But while we were in that ice cream place, an idiot came in. An idiot came in. He came in with a T-shirt on and all kinds of filthy language on the front and the back. I mean, filthy language. 
He came in with his little baby and his wife, little kid holding him up. And I sit there and looked at that man. I mean, you couldn't be behind him in line without reading. I turned my head and I said, you know, he believes in freedom of speech, obviously. But freedom of speech doesn't mean you're a dope. And so much within me, other people were kind of looking at, you know, everybody that looked at the man, they had disgust for him. You know, the kind of fella, and he was just waiting. I could tell by the way he was, he was just waiting for somebody to say something. And I told my wife, I said, man, so I didn't want to do something stupid, cause a riot. So I, I got on my phone and, and text, what are the rules about this? Maybe this guy, maybe I need to call the police. Let this guy get a ticket or something. And so he left. And I called Livonia Police Department and I said, hey, I got to ask you a question. You know what they told me? They said, Pastor, I, I know it's bad. But he said, he has his rights to say what he wants to say. I thought, well, if I said something, it would cause a hoorah and a fight, and he'd probably use other vulgar language in the place everybody, I mean, if you have it on your shirt, you're going to say it to somebody. Yeah. He said, well, you do have the right to tell him. I said, yeah, but then this escalates and that escalates. He said, yeah, you're right. We have all kinds of problems when that happens. He said, thank you for handling the proper way, but there's absolutely nothing. That's, that's the world we live in today. Amen? Amen? And I'm not an idiot. The guy's a young man. If I did get in some kind of altercation, wouldn't you, wouldn't you hate to read that in the paper that your pastor <laughs> slapped an idiot in the, in the ice cream parlor in Livonia? Wouldn't you hate to see that? But that's what it made me want to do. And then after a while, I got home and I thought about it a while, and then the Holy Spirit said, hey, remember what you're preaching tomorrow? Remember about loving people in their darkness? But I have a flesh just like you have, and it bothers me. But folks, we have to stop and think, that's the culture. That's the world we live in today. Darkness and death and depravity. And listen, I'd love to tell them what I think. Amen. I'd love to get, in, I'd love to get up here and preach politics all the time. I'd lose half of you, but I'd love to do it in my flesh. But that's not right. We declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, not our political affiliation. Amen. We're living in a bad time. So we better shine more than we've ever shined. We better be righteous more than we ever be. Let them see Jesus in us. Amen. We're in a mess. And I thought to myself, I don't know that young man I saw with that filthy t-shirt. He's probably full of devils himself. Who knows his background, how he was raised, knocked around, drunk, drug addict parents. Who, who knows? Something in him is so angry that he feels like he has the freedom to do that. And listen, I was more bugged by him than a burden for him, I must admit. Folks, it's time for us to do the last point here today. That's Mark 5, 18 through 19. That's the publicity that needs to be given. Verse 18 and 19. The Bible says, and when he was come into the ship, he saith unto his, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and he hath compassion on thee. And he departed and began to notice the word publish 
in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. I'm kind of ashamed today that my first response in the ice cream parlor was not go give the guy a track. I'm kind of ashamed today that my first response was I was mad. My first response is I'm trying to find on my phone why this isn't right. My first response is to call the police and see what they can do. And after all said and done, I could have gave him a track and invited him to church. I apologize, church, I wasn't a better man. But listen, you know what we need today in the day we live in? We need to get a better sense of who we're dealing with and realize our job is to publish the name of Jesus. Publish the gospel. We get so angry, we get so upset, we watch so many news reports that we get all pent up with our, our position. Instead of seeing people with the eyes that Jesus sees them in, of compassion and care. And the Bible said this man, once he was helped, and healed, and delivered, he went out and blazed the fame. He published Jesus Christ. You know, this time, as I go where I go, when I see something like that again, and I will, I hope that I do a better job. And I want to encourage you. Let's publish the name of Jesus. Let's not get so hung up with the issues of our current death, dead, demonic culture that we don't see him as Jesus sees him. Amen? I don't know. Maybe I know we all have people in our lives. They're in a mess. They're in a mess. It's so frustrating. But we can't keep Quit praying. Amen? And being the Christians we ought to be. And once of all, let's get out there with the gospel. The word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even dividing of the soul and the spirit and the joints of the marker. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. No argument I have, no, no political approach I have to somebody that's acting like a dope is going to help situation. But the power of Christ and the power of the gospel, it'll work. Let's bow our heads if we would, every head bowed today. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you're so frustrated with, maybe even angry with for their speech or their attitude or their rejection of, of you and Christ and church and goodness and that it's gotten you away from having a burden for them. I pray today that you'd search your heart. Maybe there's someone here today and you're not even saved. You don't know the Lord. And you may even wonder why, why is what this preacher saying so prevalent? I'll tell you this, friend. I might not be the greatest Christian you've ever met, but I can introduce you to the greatest Savior I've ever met. And he can save your soul and change your life today if you will come and receive him as your own Savior. But you must come, you must repent of your sin, and you must receive him by faith. So, Father, do what I cannot do. Draw, convict, convince, encourage. Lord, rebuke. You tell me as a preacher I'm supposed to reprove, rebuke, and exhort.
Help me, Lord, to do a better job at that. And I pray that this sermon today will search our hearts and stir us, Lord, for souls. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand if we would. Brother Tom, what number? 705. 705. 705. You come as the Lord dictates to your heart, okay? Brother Tom. Take the name of Jesus with